It's time for your weekly trip inside the ropes and behind the scenes of the Australian golf industry. Welcome to another episode of the Australian Golf Show with Tiffany Cherry and Mark Allen. Thanks for joining us on the show. Mark Allen, actually, our former professional golfer, is taking a well-deserved sojourn, hopefully in the sunny skies of Noosa. Hello to everyone listening in from Noosa, my second home where my family is. And uh, what a big week it's been. It's welcome to you, Australian Golf Media Manager, Martin Blake. And welcome for the first time on the microphone. We've got Australian Golf Rider, Dane Heverin. Thank you, Tiff. Pleasure to be here. And what a week to be on the show. What a week. We had a victory by Grace Kim, her first as a professional. And she is our cherry picked for this week. Looking forward to having a chat with Grace. But let's get straight to the majors. The PGA Championship, it is the equal greatest comeback in the history of the event. Seven shots back, Justin Thomas started, Dane, at Southern Hills on the weekend in the PGA Championship. Uh, he did get some help, though, from uh, Mito Pereira of Chile, Chile, didn't he? He did. Um, but it's funny, it was almost like the most likely comeback ever. On Saturday, like Saturday morning, our time, the commentators were calling it that Justin Thomas is playing the best golf, he's had the hardest conditions in the first two rounds, and, and that he's going to win it. He probably deserved it, really. He shot 67 in the last round, Tiff. Yeah. Uh, it's just that people will inevitably focus on Pereira's problems, hitting a th- his tee shot into the water on the last hole when he was a shot ahead. Justin Thomas, by this time, had finished and was waiting for him, but Pereira... I mean, uh, credit to the guy. He came out and spoke to the media afterwards and he said, well, look, I just, I think he hit a three-wood off the tee, Dane. That's my understanding. And uh, it just went away to the right. He said, look, I tried to, tried to put it in play and I just hit it too far right. So it went in the water. But his problems, I mean, let's have a listen for a start to, to the commentary from this moment because it was actually quite hard to watch. It's going with a lot of club again. <laughs> look at that follow through. He did the same thing yesterday, below, but this is going right. Yesterday was up the left side. Oh, my goodness. He couldn't make a follow through. Where is it? Oh, my goodness. It's in the water. Oh, my goodness. So that results in a, in a double bogey, and that's it's so night. He, he takes a drop, hits it up past the green, so he's still not on the green for three in, the, in some pretty deep rough. He's got a, a difficult chip across a ridge, which doesn't even get on the green. So he, by this time, his head's right off. Look, I was really pleased to see you know a couple of his mates from the tour over with him afterwards because that's the kind of thing that could could do your head in. But I, as I said earlier, I, I was really I admire him for fronting up to the media. I mean, they are expected to front up to the media and talk, Dane, aren't they? I'm, I'm not sure from another sport. You know, I, I know in tennis they're required to do it, mm. so they do it, but it can't be easy. Oh, definitely can't. And I think tennis is a good example. We've seen a lot of players have issues with having to do it after they've lost matches. And yeah, to lose a major that's right there for the taking a situation, that'd be so hard for him, but good on him. So Justin Thomas, who's a former world number one, wins his second major, in fact, his second PGA Championship, age 29. I want to compare that to Cam Smith, 29 years of age. He's moved up to number three. So great result by the Aussies. Highest ever. So Cam and Lucas Herbert finished in the top 15, best performance also by Lucas at a major. But Cam Smith, let's just focus on him. He's got everything. He's got all the tricks. He's got the game. He hasn't been able to win a major yet. Obviously at the Masters, there was a great opportunity. Where do you see him in terms of that focus? I think he's he's a very good chance to win one. Uh, to me, uh, Dane, that was probably a, an off week mm. for Cam. 
and he finished tied 13th. He just didn't make any putts. In fact, I read a stat somewhere that said that he was the number one player in ball striking on the stats for the week, um, but he was one of the worst in the field for putting, which for him mm-hmm. is completely unusual. He just didn't hold many putts. And, uh, you know, in the end, he finishes tied 13th, uh, rises up to number three in the world. I, I think he'll get it done in a major at some point, but he's going to have to putt uh, better than that. I mean, Justin Thomas is a great, great player. I love watching him play. I can't believe when you see him live how far he can hit the ball for a guy that small. He nearly swings himself off, off his feet. And interestingly, had Jim Bones Mackay as his caddy, who was the caddy for Phil Mickelson until about a year or two ago? Uh, he Jim Jim McKay did five majors with Phil Phil, Phil Mickelson. Well, he attributed uh, his win to his caddy. He did so on. Mm. I think on Saturday night after Justin Thomas shot seventy four and put himself sort of back in the field a little bit. He shot sixty seven the first two days, and he, then he had a bad day on Saturday and in the in the easier conditions. And Jim McKay just grabbed him and said, basically, the, the quotes were something along the lines of, "Come on, mate, we're." We, we're contending every single week here, uh, so and we're contending again. So don't get down on yourself. And he, he certainly took something from that and shoots 67 in the last day. Gets into a playoff with Zalatoris, goes bang, bang, birdies the first two playoff holes. It was a three-hole playoff, uh, mm. but he had it covered, uh, ended up just with a little tap-in. So he's back up to number five in the world. And uh, one guy who, who did struggle was Tiger Woods. Mm. Tiger Woods, so he pulls out, obviously, in the final day. May just made the cut. In fact, I think he was the last player to make the cut. Um, it was very clear he was in a lot of pain. He spoke about the pain in his leg, in his right leg, in his foot. Um, it, was a, it was a very clear limp. Where does this position him from a career perspective? Will we see him come back? There are There's talk out there that perhaps this is the end or – Will he miss the US Open in, in Massachusetts and then play in the 150th and use that as his swan song? Oh, the 150th oh. Open Championship. Mm. Um, that's in July. I mean, I'd, I'd be stunned if he didn't play that, but I guess it will be dictated by his injury. I mean, we're talking about a, a serious motor accident injury. So, um, you know, he's had his leg rebuilt. He looks terrible when he walks. I really wish that he'd apply and take a cart. Yeah, like John Daly did. He could. I mean, he's got a, a motor accident injury. Uh, he could he could take a card if he's prior to allow him, but um, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I think, Tiff, we'll see him at the Open Championship. I'm not sure about the US Open because it's a bit sooner. It's next month. Mm. Uh, maybe he doesn't get to the US Open, but he, 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 uh, I think he'll turn up at St Andrews regardless and try to play. It's In some ways, it's great just to see him out there. Um, you, you've got to say it's, it's brilliant to see him out there, and he's actually – playing pretty well. Well, he's made uh, the two cuts of the two tournaments that yeah. he's played in. The yeah, I mean, he can still hit, hit it, of course, and he can still putt unbelievably, and he's still got that mind, but physically he's struggling to walk. I think the other thing that's going to help him at St Andrews is that St Andrews is quite a bit flatter than the other courses True. he's been playing in majors recently, and you can see he's been in quite a bit of pain getting up and down the hills, where yeah. St Andrews is quite flatter, so that should help him to get around a bit more. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'd love to see him there. It's a big celebration this year. He's won it three times, I think, Tiff, and he won there. He has, yep. He won, he won the Open there. It's one of his. It's his favourite place in the world. His favourite golf course. So, uh, it's a continuing struggle, and I don't think it's necessarily going to get any better. I don't think this will be the end of him. I think he'll just chug away for a few years yet, uh, and maybe over time his leg starts to settle down a little bit. I'm not sure, but um, it's good to see him back. Um, 
and hard to see him pull out like he did after three rounds. Do you think he could, if he took a cart, I mean, it's a big, you know, pie in the sky stuff, but do you think he could ever win another major and add to his 15? I don't think well, so. Well, imagine walking. if he did. It would be, be the greatest story in the history of it the would, game. It would be oh, monumental. Thing, imagine if he did take a cart, how big the story would be, because all the players are talking about how well he's swinging it, that he's, he swings great in the practice rounds, he's striking it clean. It's just the physical nature of it that's getting him. And coming and fronting up day after mm. day over four days. Um, Brad Kennedy was tied fourth yep. in Japan, Tiff. Uh, that was a good result for him. And Whitney Hillier on the ladies' European mm. tour uh, at an event in Evian in France lost a playoff. Whitney, uh, that's unfortunate for her. She's never won uh, as a pro, I don't think. Uh, oh, she, she won a team's event the week before, as a matter of fact, wasn't it? But uh, she hasn't won an individual event as a pro on the, on the LET. She got very close. And uh, the big one, which we'll talk about again in more depth soon, but Grace Kim won by five in Florida on the Epsom Tour, which is the secondary tour in America. It's her first year out as a pro. It sets her up so well because the top ten on that tour at the end of the year will go through to LPGA. So it was a big week for Aussies with Sarah Jane Smith tied second and Robin Choi mm. tied fourth. Uh, so it's Aussie, 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 that one. But Grace is a great girl. She's very popular with good reason. She's a super nice person and a terrific player, former Australian amateur champion, former Australian junior champion. Well, she's uh, risen. Out of Sydney, plays out of Avondale in Sydney. Yeah, and she's only 21 years of age. She's uh, risen 59 places after that win. And that's certainly not to, the end of it. To 244, which, you know, people go, oh, well, it's 244, but she is she's with a start. bullet. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Looking forward to having a chat with Grace, and that is coming up after the break. Our Cherry Picked up next. It's great to welcome our Cherry Picked guest for the week, 21-year-old Grace Kim, all the way from Florida in the US. Welcome to the show, Grace, and congratulations on your maiden win as a professional. Well, hello, everyone, and thank you. (laughs) You've been pushing for it. You had an incredible amateur career, and you only turned uh, professional last year and you've had some great results. What did you feel clicked for you this week? I think uh, just like the easiest game possible, hitting all fairways, hitting all greens and making putts. Like I just made it as simple as as I could. Um, And I think just uh, had to mentally grind a little bit, just, you know, backing myself that I could do it, get it done and just not get ahead of myself, you know, not get score focused. So I think, that ticked all the boxes. And a nice little birdie putt there to, to just put the icing on the cake too, Grace. Yeah. I uh, I mean, I sort of, well, I not sort of, I did see a line. So I guess I just didn't want to leave it short um, in front of the cameras. So I just went for it. One by five shots for your first win as a pro. I'm just wondering whether if I could take you back to the WPGA Championship at, at Royal Queensland where you had such a great chance to win. Uh, I think you made one mistake on the whole last day, which was off the back of the green on maybe the 13th hole, and Suo chipped in on the same hole to beat you. Uh, I'm just wondering whether you were able to draw from that disappointment this time around when you were you were in contention. I know you won easily this time, but... Um, do you learn from things like that? Because you would have been disappointed. You had a great win chance to win in Queensland. Yeah, for sure. And I think you, I mean, you nailed it. Like I need, uh, you know, Sue's been out here for a couple of years and I've only just turned pro and you can really tell the difference in experience just by that one hole. And I think I took a lot from that and 
um, you know, Florida's like pretty much all of Florida is Bermuda grass, which is like Queensland as well. So I mm-hmm. think just taking all those notes, um, what I've learned and all that and, you know, how the ball reacts and all that, I think really, I really applied that to my game this week and just understanding how it'll all turn out. Um, yeah, really helped me this week. And I was, I was probably more thinking of the, the mental aspect of it, the nerves that obviously come when you you realise you're on top or you've got a chance to win. Uh, are you? Do you think you're, you're getting getting better at that? Yeah, I mean, um, I reckon I used to have uh, troubles like sleeping during the do- during the morning time of my tea times. Like mm. I would wake up a couple of times before my alarm just so that I don't miss my tea time, you know, or don't sleep through my alarm. But um, I think now I feel a bit more relaxed after these couple of close shaves and, um, yeah, just – I think coming close in the, in the WPGA, um, I think sort of helped me relax a little more being in contention and especially being on the Epson tour, you know, it's, it's a high quality field as well. So um, even my dad said before the round, you know, everyone's good. It's just a matter of who's confident and who's mentally stable at the end of the round. Great advice. Grace, one of the other big events you played during the Aussie summer was the Athena. And I remember chatting to you before then and, you sort of said that you weren't a very skillful player ahead of the skills challenges. Surely you've sort of proved yourself wrong now. Oh well, I yeah, I mean, I do I do have a lot more 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 to learn. Sorry, but um, I, I like I said, I tried to make the game as simple as possible, so I don't have to be skillful. I don't have to chip or putt, you know. I chip and you know do some crazy stuff as well. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm working on it. You've also said you're a numbers person. You love the numbers of the game. What numbers did you work on prior to this weekend? I recently, um, with the GA Rookie funding, I was able to purchase a track man for myself um, just to have that toy to, you know, practice with and all that. So, you know, dialing in my wedges was the main key of why I purchased that in the first mm-hmm. place. Um you know, just being able to have that consistency of consistency of landing it in certain distances, um, I think, really helps with giving good birdie opportunities. Um, whether it's a par five or approach shots from par fours, um, and especially Bermuda grass, you just have to attack because it, all it'll do is uh, spin quickly anyway. So, if you just attack, it'll probably stop by real quick and then uh, have a short putt for birdies. That's the GA rookie squad that you speak of, which um, you've been in for the last couple of, oh, well, this year anyway. So, um, you know, just some assistance for uh, first, you know, year pros or second year pros who are trying to make their way. It's it's a really good good system. Grace, uh, how far do you fly your pitching wedge and your gap wedge and your lob wedge, by the way? Oh, my pitching wedge would be about 105 metres. Um, and I guess with the wedges, I just try to control as much as I could. I'm normally, you know, it it is more feels. So I think I try to practice a lot more of the feels just to have that, you know, uh, muscle memory and the, uh, the touch so I don't lose it mm. as well. So um, it varies, I guess. <laughs> I want to go back to where it all started. I love always the history, you know, the stories of, uh, of people's careers. So your Korean background, your parents both came here from Korea, I think in 1999. How did you get into the game of golf? Because Korea has such an incredible history of top performers, especially amongst the women golfers in the world. Yeah, so um, my dad was 
the one who introduced me to golf, he used to practice socially just for fun and a bit of um, fitness himself. And after school, when I was about 10, he used to take me with him just because I don't know. He just wanted me to spend time with him. I don't know. I really yeah. hated it at the start, to be honest. I'll have to admit. Um, it took me about two years. So when I was 12, I started to understand what the game was like. And, you know, dad saw something in me. Um, swing was great. So he just, you know, helped me sort of get started. And then, uh, yeah, I guess that's where it all started. I started playing tournament, junior tournament golf, or even in Courage Shields when I was 14. So, um I don't know. I, I didn't really have an interesting start or interesting beginning or very young um, start anyway. So that's it. <laughs> which is, which is a, you know, that's great to hear for others who are out there. You don't have to start at three or four, be a tiger at two, whatever it is. You can start still still in your, in your childhood, but uh, in the later years. What is it about the Korean system, the Korean golfers, the Korean um, community, culture, whatever it is, what is it that produces such incredible uh, female golf players I think mainly a lot of Koreans well yeah they're not, they're very good um, but I think it's because they're very interested and um, like they they just really love golf like I don't know what it is you just seem to find every Korean plays golf somehow and somewhere within their week um, and a lot of the young girls well a lot of the parents teach them very young and they actually from my understanding, I, I believe that they do not go to school and they prioritize golf more, wow. um, which, which, uh, you know, automatically gives them more time mm. to practice and, you know, develop on their game. So I think it's fair to just explain them as machines. Mm. Are you staying in the Australian golf house in Florida this week? Cause you're a regular there. I saw some photos of you the other day at that house. Um, just, uh, no, I am not. Uh, the, the, Golf Australia house is about 40 minutes away, all highway. So, um, I mean, depending on tea times and it can get quite stormy in the afternoons here. So um, I'm actually in a house with Robin Choi this week and uh, Jenny Lee. So technically an Aussie house. And the reason I asked was was to raise the issue of mentoring because we've worked really hard at Golf Australia around uh, introducing young players and you'd be an example uh, to some of the older players uh, who have been out on the tour for a while. And I know that in 2019 you were part of the Kari Webb Scholarship Mm. Series and you actually were in that for about three years. But in 2019 you were staying at the house where Kari stayed at and and Hannah Green also stayed at and she won uh, her first major, of course. So, And you were one of the ones that crazy people that ran on the green, weren't you? So uh, I did want to ask you about how that's helped you, your relationship with Hannah, um, and other people, and also your relationship with Kari, how that's helped you? Yeah, for sure. The Golf Australia house is just, uh, like, it's amazing. It's really just a home away from home. It's a benefit even if, you know, people like Hannah um, or Hannah, Sue, anyone really to be in the house at the same time as you. You just try to pick their brains whenever you can. I even uh, came across Jonah Oliver as well for one night. and He's the mental coach? Yes, he's the mental yeah. coach. And he, like... I think it's just a great time. You've got free time. You're not playing tournaments. Obviously, you're there for off weeks or whatever. Um, I think it's a really good time to start picking their brains and asking questions that, you know, they might have experienced, you know, they've gone through the experience before you have. So I think it's a really, really, it's precious time to be able to just 
keep asking questions um, so then you can, you know, apply that into your career or life. So I really appreciate the GA House for sure. Grace, did you hear from anyone like Kari or Hannah after you won? Yeah, but I've, well, yes, Kari left me a couple messages, um, Hannah as well. Even all three actually, Hannah, uh, Kari, Sue and Stace actually, well, everyone really left me messages. So, um, yeah, my phone was just bombarded with all these notifications. So, you know, it just makes me imagine how much more it will be bombarded if I was to win a major. You know? <laughs> just, it just motivates me. It was amazing. Was anyone else maybe from outside of Australian golf that you were really surprised to get a message from? Um. I think they were mainly golfers. I mean, I apologize if I can't remember, but I mean, I did receive a lot of messages. So from the top of my head, no, but I mean, I am really, really happy to be receiving all these messages anyway. So it's well-deserved. And you mentioned Robin Choi finished tied for fourth and Sarah Jane Smith tied for second. It was a fantastic effort by the Australians uh, in Florida. Can we talk about the Epsom tour, which is the feeder tour for the LPGA? If you finish in the top 10, you get obviously your card automatically, or if you win three, three events, you'll automatically get it, which would obviously put you in the top 10 anyway. Top but, 10 money list. Yeah, yeah, top 10 money list. Can you talk to us about the tour and the opportunities it's providing for you to take that next step to that big stage? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're playing, like you said, it's a feeder tour for the LPGA. You're playing against mainly the top people that are, you know, racing towards this main tour. Um, it's just a quality field. Um, you're always having to play against these people and you might even come across them in major events or um, on the LPGA. So I think it's a really good, um, I guess, understanding of where you sit prior to getting on the main tour if you were to. So, um, it, yeah, I definitely think it's a really, really strong tour um, to be on before you actually get onto the main tour. How have you found the standard like compared to your own expectations before heading over there? Has it caught you by surprise how good these players are? Oh, yeah, 100%. I think um, like it is a strong um, – I mean, all the Australian tournaments are a really strong field, but these girls are like strong from top to bottom. Like you always get a mixture of winners. Um, someone could miss the cut and then they could win the next week. Like it's just – like you just have to be consistently good, you know, like if you want to survive and finish top 10 on the money list on the Epson tour, I think you either have to be consistently good or like you say, you have to win three times. Um, and yeah, you just don't know who will win. You've got your coach, Carl Pullen, who's coming over, I believe this week, he's going to caddy for you. How much of a boost will that be? Oh yeah. Really excited for that. Cause um, the last time we had, I had him on the bag, which is the TPS Bonnie Doon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was uh, great. I think Stacey Peters could back me up on that one because she was commentating. But, yeah, he, him and I work like a gem, so I'm really looking forward to this week. Grace, you know I asked the hard questions. Uh, oh, here we won, go. You've won 30 grand US. Uh, they're probably tax taken out of that, I presume. What have you got in mind there? Getting a new car or something or – I think it's a bit too early for a car. <laughs> I think I might just, you know, have a little uh, retail therapy yeah. maybe. Um, nice. I love my shopping, so hence why I need to get the big bucks. Um, <laughs> so I'm not sure, actually. 
Just uh, it sounds like you're loving it over there. You, you spent time on the back of COVID. You went over. Um, you you played at Augusta, the the Augusta Women's, which was no doubt a wonderful opportunity for you. But you seem to have really blossomed in your time in the US. You came back and you had a great season here, um, obviously in the Australian domestic season. But just how much has it really motivated you and and taken your game to the next level? Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm really excited to what's ahead of me. Um, you know, you, you just try to enjoy it along the way. At times, it's really hard to understand that because, you know, you go through hardships and you go through downhills. But, um, like, you have – I mean, I read this quote, you have to go downhill to go back up, you know, like you sort of think of it as a roller coaster, like literally. So um, I'm just trying to accept – um, things as they come and let it go as they comes uh, as they go. Sorry, so yeah, I'm really really enjoying it. Thank you. And we're loving watching you the rise and rise of Grace Kim. Good luck this weekend. And as you said, you've got your coach on the bag. So looking to see what that produces. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time, guys. Thanks, Grace. And good, com- you, Grace. Yeah, coming up next, we've got all the news from around the traps. It's time now for all the news from around the traps. There's some great news for Australian men's golf. Adam Scott, obviously the former world number one Masters champion, will get a start at the US Open, Blakey. Yes, Tiff, that was just up in the air at the moment because uh, he's ranked in the 40s and he needed to be in the top 60 at the end of the PGA and he missed the cut um, at Southern Hills. He shot seven over through two rounds, so missed the cut. But he has been confirmed as a starter alongside Dane. I think it's Cam Smith. Cam Smith. Lee should yeah. be in there and, uh, and, and Lucas, Lucas Herbert. And Mark Leishman. Yeah. Leish. Yeah. So there should be, should be at least five in that field. There's a lot of qualifying to come. That uh, tournament is at... Brookline Country Club, June 16 to 19. It's the next men's major of the year. Yeah, in Massachusetts, my old stomping ground up in, up there in Boston. Fabulous uh, place this time of the year too. Not a state you want to say when you've had a couple of drinks. No, but uh, Min Wu, you mentioned. Well, uh, Mito Pereira's in too, I wanted to mention. He, he had a, a bad last hole at the PGA Championship, but he's got his ranking uh, inside, you know, high enough. Uh, he jumped quite a few spots with his finish there last weekend and he's in as well. Yeah, there'll be a lot of eyes on the Chilean. But Min Wu, we had some eyes on him. In fact, the commentators uh, spoke about, well, even the players are in awe of Tiger Woods as we've obviously known for many years. But there was Min Wu, Min Wu with his little camera taking uh, some pictures and video footage, directing traffic to his uh, very famous social media pages, which are growing like wildfires. Yeah, well, he was using the vantage point of the player's walkway to get the best access to Tiger content. And, um, yeah, that was up on Twitter and going nuts of another player mid-round <laughs> taking a video of Tiger teeing off. It just shows the absolute star power that's there. He's very savvy with his social media, Min. I love it. It's a, it's great. And, he, look, he's a great ambassador for the game, especially here in Australia. Hey, lots more to talk about. I want to talk about the uh, the Queen Circuit Cup, which is obviously for the ladies, for the women. Um, we've got a, a team here. We've won it once before, but uh, it's a pretty tough one to win. Yeah, it's been dominated by South Korea for the last 15 years or so. Surprise, and, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, it was a pretty impressive Australian team that last won it in 2013. It was Min Ji Lee yep. and Suo. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and Hannah. And Sarah, I think. Oh, no, Sarah. it wasn't Hannah. No, was it? Yeah. yeah. Sarah, I was. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, but we've got a strong team this time around. Kirsten Rudgley is the second highest ranked player at the event. 
right. in the field. So yeah, she'll be leading the charge there alongside Caitlin Pierce and Kelsey Bennett. And Kelsey Bennett has a great history in these events. She came second in the Asia-Pacific Amateur last year. So we've put together a very strong team and that all starts today, Tuesday, over in Singapore. So you know, best of luck to the Australian team there. And and Caitlin and Kirsten are the two Kari Webb recipients. And Caitlin's won everything lately. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's incredible out and of Adelaide. We just spoke to, obviously, Grace Kim, uh, who is a four-time Kari Webb uh, scholarship recipient. Just the pathways and, and how much support these players are getting. I'd love to just pick your brains, Martin, about that. You And, and Dane, you both know are entrenched in it. How much does this really help our players to take that next step onto the bigger stages? Well, in terms of the Kari Webb scholarship, that's an awesome, awesome thing, which Kari supports to the hilt. Uh, I mean, it basically amounts to them being able to use her as a mentor, you know, a, a, one of the greatest players in history, from the point of view, we, we heard Grace Kim say earlier about how Kari had texted her to congratulate her on a win. There's a lot of that goes on. Kari makes herself available, Dane. Yeah, and then the other big side of it is that financially the last couple of years during COVID, it makes sure they still get benefit out of it. Kirsten Rudgley had the scholarship last year as well as this year. Last year, she was able to use the money from the scholarship to go play amateur events over in the UK. She won a bunch of mm-hmm. events there and then got a start in the, the Women's Open. Mm-hmm there yeah. because of it. And then that takes her to the, the Augusta Women's Championship. Im- impressive. And then she uh, she's she's just about ready to launch too, isn't she? When do you think she'll be turning professional? It's just a matter of her, you know, picking her moment and playing a few big amateur events such as this one. Yeah, I, I had a chat to her at the Australian Interstate a couple of weeks ago about it and she had her eye on playing big am- amateur events like this one and like Augusta recently and the Australian Interstate before turning pro. So I suspect later in the year she said she'll be looking to turn pro and maybe even head over to LPGA qualifying, she flagged. Stacey Peters, our uh, Golf Australia's female pathway manager, we'll have on later and uh she, I'd be interested to hear what she said about that. You know, there's this whole debate about, you know, when you turn pro. Um, a lot of the very good amateurs like to, you know, milk, I guess is a, for want of a better term, the, the amateur career as much as they can, you know. So don't don't necessarily turn pro. The, the opposite to what Kirsten's done, Kirsten Rudgley's done, is probably what Ryan Ruffles did was to win a few big amateur events early and then turn pro at 17. And he's struggled as a pro, mm. you know. So I, I think... There's a balance, but there's no rush. Yeah, absolutely. I want to switch conversations and topic and talk about, from an environmental perspective, a a great initiative that the uh, Bayside Council has come up with. In Melbourne. Yeah, in Melbourne, with uh, with regards to water catchment and using this across a number of golf courses. Yes, this is fantastic news. The Victorian government announced it on Monday that with the Bayside, Monash and Kingston councils that there'll be a new recycled water scheme which be used for everything in those communities all parks but obviously that's inc- not just golf yeah yeah but so obviously that includes all the great golf courses of the Melbourne Sandbelt and you know not just those private clubs all public courses like here at Sandy Golf Links and you know Cheltenham and all those great public courses and it just means that um, it's obviously going to be more environmentally friendly and We've had quite a few wet summers recently and the predictions are that that'll turn around and we'll have quite a few dry summers in the next few years and it just means that the courses are going to be sustainable during drought. It's such an important initiative. With climate change, you know, the impact of climate change on golf could be, well, 
We've already worst, seen it. Could it. Be catastrophic. Well, so. we, we've seen it already up yeah. in northern states. What's happened with the floods, and obviously previous to that, the fires, yeah. and and then there's been the droughts before that. So, this is a great initiative. It'd be wonderful for other councils across the country to look into it, and uh, no doubt that they are. But you know, we want to give it some airtime to to let the the community know what's going on and to continue to push for these kind of initiatives. I had one tiff for uh, this relates to the, a sandbelt club as well, but I think there's a broader picture to this, and it's dear to your heart as the female engagement person at Golf Australia. But Nikki McClure, who's a Golf Victoria board member, she had a, a lifetime working in the the fitness industry and uh, captain of Kingston Heath Golf Club for the last three years. She's actually been elected as president of Kingston Heath. That's the first female president of that club, that world famous. Club in its years, 111, 100 plus year yeah. history. I spoke to Nikki yesterday. I know you d- you did as well, and we're actually going to have her on the podcast pretty soon in the next week or two. Um, she's a great thinker on on uh, golf and how to engage with women, and what a great move by Kingston Heath to to elect a, a female president, especially someone of her caliber. Mm, well, she's and she has come up with a, a concept called Fairway Birdies, which has been operating it's a for blog, right? a, a number yeah. of years. Yeah, just all about that focus of the gender equality piece. It's not about precluding men. It's not about, you know, making sure that that women dominate. It's about giving women equal access, equal opportunities. And it is fantastic to see because this is a, a wonderful platform to be able to promote that messaging given that it's a sandbelt, which, as we know, is uh, prestigious and, you know, and it's world famous. And you can speak to this, but one of the uh, pillars of Vision 2025, the strategy that Golf Australia brought in a few years ago around women's participation was to get more women into senior positions, Absolutely. was it not? Yeah, because the cultural, the cultural piece, the leadership piece, we must educate. It's not You've got to bring people along the journey. You can't go out there and just say to them, we're going to do this and then have you know existing um, – <laughs> existing operations challenged and people saying, but what about me? This is not fair. You've got to educate them as to why we're doing it. When you've got greater uh, gender equality, you get diversity of thought, you get better outputs, greater initiatives. uh, And from a commercial perspective, it's much more, it's a much greater sound um, uh, focus and moving forward on in terms of bringing in money into the club from a sustainable perspective. We need to address this situation because we've got women's memberships at golf clubs has been on a downward slide since the 70s when it was around about 30%. It's currently sitting yeah, at just over yeah, 19, 19%, 19%, thereabouts. And we have to address it. The reason I mentioned it was because this is a, obviously a national show and I think we need to show that there are examples of clubs doing this kind of thing, making these decisions. Yeah, so, yeah. absolutely. Speaking of uh, golf clubs, and again, this is a Melbourne club, but uh, again, it has broader implications because it relates to public golf. So Northcote Golf Course in the northern suburbs of Melbourne has been saved as of last night. The Moreland City Council, uh, who've been talking about this for a good two years, I would say, there's been petitions taken up. Uh, basically, during the lockdown in Victoria in 2020, people were allowed onto the onto the golf course. It's a nine-hole public course, uh, nice little nice little course, very popular. Um, people loved picnicking out there and walking out there with their well, dogs and their yeah. kids. And suddenly, it became an issue. You know, there was a petition taken up for it to be closed down. And sent to the council. A lot of people signed it. Uh, Golf Australia got involved uh, in the battle because we argued, as as you'd expect, that 
the golfers needed to be protected as well. You don't have to just wipe out the golf course. You know, maybe there's some compromise. Uh, the current decision by the council is that they're going to, uh, as I said, they've, they're going to retain it as a nine-hole course, so that's a fantastic win, Dane. Um, there's a compromise. Um, but the course will be closed under their plans. The course will be closed at 3, 3 p.m. every night for so the public can come in and walk through there. So I don't mind it myself. That's just my view, but I know that, other people who've been involved think that it may, that they're concerned that it could be a slow burn. You know that it might be a way to gradually shut the golfers out of there. I, I don't know. They're also going to take a parcel of land from one side of the course, open that up as open park land, uh, and they're going to have to redesign the course a little bit. I presume there'll be another th- par three thrown in there, uh, Dane. I mean, I, I, this is a, a big issue for golf all around Australia. Absolutely. Uh, it's not just Northcote, which is why Golf Australia got involved because we feel like it's it's one. In, on one hand, it's one little nine-hole course, um, but on the other hand, it's a lot of people who use it, a lot of golf people. And where does this stop? Yeah, it's obviously a massive issue for the game, but I think also is that this could be an opportunity as a bit of an example for public courses of how to get more people in the community into the course. Exactly. Is that you know if you're there walking your dog or going for a picnic or whatever and you see the golfers on the fairway 100 metres away, it might encourage you to go have a go. Yep. There's True. many ways you can turn a public course. We call them a community uh, location to, um, to be able to get many benefits out of it. We're going to take a break now and coming up after this, Stacey Peters will be joining us. So normally this time we have Marco's Masterclass, but Marco is taking a break. So we're going to welcome two-time European Tour winner and former Australian amateur champion Stacey Peters, who's now our female pathway manager at Golf Australia. Welcome to the show, Stacey. Hey, guys. Thanks very much for having me on. And it's great to talk to you on the back of what's been a fantastic weekend for our Australian girls. Obviously, Grace Kim winning on the Epson in Florida and we and Sarah Jane Smith tied for second. Robin Choi tied for fourth with Whitney Hillier. Had a, a wonderful result over the weekend. We've, we seem to just have this plethora of uh, young women players coming through the ranks. And, it, and from my perspective, it's a great reflection on the Pathways program that you are leading. Yeah, it's, I guess it's an exciting time. I think it's an exciting time to be involved in golf and, yeah, specifically uh, women's golf. And, yeah, I think we saw it on the weekend, didn't we, with, uh, you know, refreshing the leaderboards on Monday morning was uh, a hell of a lot of fun, wasn't it? Uh, walking around the office on Monday was, uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, but it's definitely exciting to be involved in at the moment, that's for sure. Stace, you go way back with Grace. I think you were both on the green with Hannah with Hannah Green at Hazeltine that day in 2019, uh, throwing beer on her when she won her first major. Um, tell me the strengths of Grace Kim. I'm thinking that her putting is legendary. Well, from what we saw on Monday morning, that uh, that is for sure. Hey, she was rolling in like 15 footers, like they were absolutely nothing. Um, but that is definitely definitely a strength of her game. But her consistency, like her her iron play, and I was actually chatting to Sarah Jane afterwards as well, and her husband Dwayne, and they just said that final round of Gracie's was unbelievable. She didn't miss a shot nor miss a putt. Mm. It was like she, they, she could have had anything. They said, and it was like the situation didn't seem to bother her, which is you know that's so exciting for Gracie going forward and. I, th- I think we've seen it over the last 12 months or so and, you know, kudos to Grace's team and her coach, Carl and Like, you know, they've put in a lot of work, uh, a lot of work on Gracie's distance, gained a lot of distance over the last – or probably the COVID period, actually. Because um, she then, was not a long hitter, we, right? 
No, that, you would de- you'd probably say that was her, I don't want to say weakness, but probably a gap in her game. Um, and they just put a real focus on that. And I, but I think one of the big things with Gracie was um, getting overseas last year and being able to travel when a lot of people didn't do it. And Gracie, I don't know if a, a lot of people may not know, but Gracie stayed overseas for seven, eight months wow. um, just because of lockdowns and not being able to get back, but just sort of committed to it. And that's when we saw really her game go to another level and just being able to compete when people weren't um, and putting in a lot of work uh, overseas as well, away from her coach. But that's kind of what you've got to do as a professional. So it was like her rookie year um, while she was still an amateur, if that makes sense. Stace, we've also got some of our rising amateurs in action um, in Singapore this week. Can you tell us a little bit about them? Yeah, absolutely. Exciting, you know, to, to have a, a team event at the moment uh, in the Queen Circuit Cup in Singapore with uh, Caitlin Pierce, Kelsey Bennett and Kirsten Rudgley over there representing Australia at the moment. Um, yeah, so really looking forward to that getting underway. And, you know, they're three of our very best amateurs at the moment and just them being able to represent Australia. Um, what a fantastic achievement and just a huge buzz for them, but a buzz for us to, uh, you know, have a rep team away at the moment and, competing and you know I think they could do very very well we just heard Zoe there in the background and yeah. perfect timing that was my next question how are you loving being a mum and handling and juggling everything no I'm absolutely loving it yes you did hear Zoe in the background there I'd asked her to be quiet just for five minutes but you know sometimes that doesn't work does it she's got upstage uh, <laughs> um, but no I'm absolutely loving it and I, I'm really enjoying being back at work as well but really um I guess enjoying the juggle, but just getting uh, getting my head around what is the new normal for us now. Um, but I'm really just I'm absolutely loving the juggle of motherhood and working, and you know being still so involved in uh, in work at uh, in the high performance area. Well, yeah. it's wonderful having someone of your caliber in the high performance area and having you as part of the whole team that is supporting the growth and the rise of uh, of our you know of our men and women. But from my perspective, of course, uh, the women as as well. So thank you so much for joining us and for giving us your skew on what's happened over the weekend. And, and the state of play and uh, we look forward to chatting to you again sometime soon. Hey, thanks very much for having Zoe and I on today. <laughs> Stacey <laughs> Peters there. Guys. And that's the end of the show. Blakey, Dane, Got thanks for joining us. And, thanks, uh, Tiff. We'll rock up again next week.